This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots and helping them reach their aviation career goals. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here's your host, Carl Valeri. Aviation Careers Podcast, Episode 6, Advantages of Being Both a Pilot and a Mechanic, and an interview with National Aviation Academy. Do you have an interest in becoming both a pilot and a mechanic? You'd be surprised how many pilots hold both their mechanic's license and their pilot certificate. There are some advantages of being both. You can really be an operational asset for an airline or for a corporate operation if you can repair items that break while you're on the road. Certain seemingly simple repairs have to be signed off by a mechanic, especially if it includes a safety wire. Some pilot jobs, although few and far between, will require that you have both a pilot certificate and a a mechanic's certificate, or AMT. You know, when I was on the road, I hit a bird while I was landing. That bird hit the windshield. Now, I could tell there wasn't much damage, or no damage really, done to the windshield, but the thing is, it was a bird strike. So a mechanic actually has to go out and they have to sign off that this airplane is qualified to fly and there is no damage due to the bird strike. Well, luckily we had a mechanic on board and he was able to look at it and we were on our way. So if you have a mechanic's license and you're a pilot, you can actually be a real operational asset to people, especially in the corporate world. Well, today we're going to speak with Teresa Ferrant from National Aviation Academy. She's the community resource representative. And what she has done for us is set up some interviews over in Clearwater, Florida at the National Aviation Academy classrooms and facility there. And what we're going to do is talk to people that have a background in financial aid, that we'll talk about what opportunities there are, both as mechanics and as pilots. We're going to learn a lot about their mechanic program and learn a lot about women in aviation and women working on mechanics. We're also going to learn that they have a new pilot program that's uh, really exciting. So without further ado, let's talk to some of these folks here at National Aviation Academy. Today we're here with Richard Rios at uh, National Aviation Academy. And uh, Richard, what is it you do here again? I'm the director of financial aid here at National Aviation Academy. Financial aid, you have both programs. You have a mechanics program and you have a pilot program here. Now, which one of those can they go towards to get financial aid? Actually, all who qualify for financial aid can receive financial aid in either or or both programs. Okay, so now if I want to become a pilot, now I what would I do? I just come to you, the financial aid department here, and you can fill out certain paperwork. Do you have certain people that you work with, companies, banks? Actually, um, there are no more banks. Actually, it's all through the government now, it's, which is the direct loan system. And we work with anyone and everyone. Just come see us, and we'll, it's an individual case-by-case basis. We deal with you individually. Now, on, on the side of careers, we're going to talk about that and talk a little bit about going for financial aid to get into this. Do most people, when they look for a career in aviation, do they get financial aid or do they pay for it themselves? I, I'm not sure. It really depends on the individual. Um, most students in the United States get financial aid because of the cost for education nowadays. But, you know, we all have to realize that education is an investment in yourself. But, yes, most do get financial aid. There are the occasional who do pay cash out of their pocket. The sky's the limit. There are scholarships. Everything is available to students nowadays. I know when I went through my training, I actually decided to pay for it myself. But what I found was that if I had a little 
bump or burble in the training, I needed to get some money somehow. So what I did is I put it on credit card. And I suggest to people, and I'm sure you do also, that if they can, make sure they don't have any interruptions in their training. Because when you run out of money, it doesn't help you because you have to relearn everything. And do you see that happen sometimes here, that people do run out of money? Um, not very common, to be honest. Most of the time, I always tell students, if you run into any financial you know, burps, if you will, you know, come see us, come see financial aid. I'll do everything. Me and my team and my staff, we're great. We work with you individually. We'll do everything we can within our measure to help you. If I'm at my wits end where I can't do anything, I'll go talk to career services and see what we can do. Maybe a job that works with your schedule, whatever it takes, because once you start your education, the most strong goal is to complete it. Interesting. You know, so person like me that says, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to do it on my own. And then I realize, oh, gosh, you know, I really can't do this on my own. There's somebody out there that can help me. And that would be you. Correct. That's correct, sir. I mean, we'll do everything we can. And they can find you here at the National Aviation Academy and uh, Richard Rios. And we'll uh, definitely have some folks maybe call you about that financial aid. And if they have questions, they can contact us. But I'm also uh, I can put those questions to you if you don't mind. I do not mind at all. I mean, if I can't get immediately to you, I'll make sure to get you to one of my staff because, you know, everyone is, they know as much as I do. And if they don't know the answer, they'll come to me. And if I don't know the answer, I'll go to some source to get you an answer. I don't, I'm tenacious. I won't give up. Terrific. Now, what, what is the thing that I can do if I'm looking for financial aid? Is there something I can do to prepare before I walk into your office? Really, the first thing is just come in and come in committed that you want to do this. And I'll do everything because we'll actually walk, talk to you. We'll tell you everything see what your options are. And then obviously it's always probably going to be two visits. You're going to have one visit where you initially see us. And then the second visit is where you come in with the actual paperwork. But I always say that first initial visit is like an introduction, like a hello. And that's the most integral one. So we can introduce you to everything. So the last question, and to me, the most important is what do you say to somebody who looks at the cost and says, oh, my God, I can't afford that. How am I going to be able to get a loan for that? What, what, what do you say to that person? Everyone always has that initial fear because education nowadays is not cheap. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it's, it, but it is affordable. And really, like we, you know, when you look at a car, you'll spend $30,000, $40,000 on a car and not think twice and say, oh, that's the normal price for a car. Well, an education is something you bring with you and carry with you for the rest of your life. And it's way different than a car that gets replaced every five, six plus years. So when you come see me, I'm going to be very frank with you and I'll tell you the truth and I'll tell you the honest truth. But there are so many programs out there when it comes to scholarships, direct loans from the government, Pell Grants. The list is endless. It just it's all about the willingness for you to go out there and look I mean, it's out there. You just need to reach for it. Well, boy, that that was very inspiring. Thank you, Richard. And I do appreciate you talking to us today. And, and uh, I will have them uh, send some information. Our listeners, if they're interested, uh, send information your way. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, uh, careers now and what they can do afterwards. And uh, today I have with me Angie Capriotti, and she's actually the director of career services. So after you do get your loan, you're going to say, well, okay, I have this loan and I have uh, an education. Can I get a job afterwards? And is there, Angie, first of all, welcome. Thank you. I do want to state um, I am an aircraft mechanic. So when we're talking, I have been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and I'll be able to help the students in the best way possible. 
Well, great. And this leads into something else I'd like to talk to you about a little later as far as uh, women going into aviation and, and becoming mechanics. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that if we can a little later. But, uh, but as far as careers, as far as jobs out there, are there any jobs out there for mechanics? There is a tremendous amount of jobs at this moment. Uh, we are seeing the beginnings of the crunch where I'm having people email me or call me saying they're in desperate need of mechanics. They don't care if there's any experience there. They just want them. Um, the main thing is people getting their licenses, their airframe and power plant. Without those two, I can't do anything for them. Um, but with them, there's a tremendous possibility. Okay, airframe and power plant. Now, for those of us that don't understand what those two are, what is the difference? Well, my power plant allows me to touch everything on the engines and the accessories therefore and the airframe allows me to do everything on the body of the aircraft so sheet metal everything to seats to avionics everything that's on the basic body of the aircraft usually both of those are required because you're more valuable with both of them than with just one where what would be an example of where you would just need one i mean say working for a boeing or something like that or no actually boeing wants both okay um one Let's say you want to work for Pratt & Whitney or you want to work for GE Engines. They would only require the power plant. Um, we just had a company come in here, Granite Services, who does uh, huge power, uh, gas turbines, water, hydro, and um, air, wind turbines. And they came in here looking for people. Now, they wanted them to finish school, but they were really only interested in, they didn't even need the license. They're interested in the training on the power plant side because a, a turbine is a turbine is a turbine, no matter whether it's in the air or on the ground. So uh, you know, we have different industries coming and looking for people too. You know, you, you bring up a great point and I have a lot of friends that are into energy generation and there's, uh, I have friends that work at what's called peaker plants and these peaker plants uh, have, and I know this one plant has 707 engines in there. And who's going to maintain those? That's going to be our airframe and power plant mm -hmm. mechanics. So that's that's interesting that you brought that up. So there's more than just in aviation opportunities for people that have their AMT, both their airframe and power plant. Now, there's this other thing that the school has here. I don't know if you can speak about is this aviation technician program. Um, what is that about? Do you know? Are you talking about the professional technician? Yes, yes, that's the one. Okay. There is there is a 14-month program, which is AMT, which is Aviation Maintenance Technician. That gets you your airframe and your power plant training. Then we have an additional seven months, and it's for a professional. That person is going to know avionics and is going to know more involved trou troubleshooting electronics and avionics and what goes into the cockpit, what goes into wiring things. If you have a problem, how do you begin to search for it? Much more so than the general A&P mechanic. Um, the average age of an A&P mechanic is 57. So when you look at that age group and you start thinking computers, <laughs> we're not really computer people. Uh, so we need the young kid who, you know, has that phone attached to his hand and who understands computers. And that's what the avionics class is designed to do. Take that person, give him the knowledge that he can take and repair all the state-of-the-art fly-by-wire instrumentation. Now, how does that help them when they do go for this job? Will that certificate help them when they walk in that door? It will. It will also give them the knowledge. You know, it's not one of those things that you may see right away. You know, you're not going to be hired on immediately as an avionics technician, but two, three years down the line, they're going to see that you have this ability, and they're going to see that you have the training, and guess who gets the next promotion? Guess who gets the next job? 
Perfect. Now let's go back and look a little bit about the overall industry as far as aviation is concerned, not just uh, power plants that we talked about before for generating energy. And according to Boeing, and this is actually off of, of one of your brochures, they say we're going to require 466,000 pilots and over 596 maintenance personnel. And I can tell you, just like you said about the 50-some-odd-year-olds, there's a lot of those folks out there, and, and they're looking to retire. Now, before I, I go into that, Richard, you talked about mechanic school and flight school. What if somebody wants to do both things? They want to get both. They want to get their pilot certificate, and they want to go towards this AMT program. Can they get financing for both right off the bat? Well, remember with the uh, Depart Department of Education, you can only have financing in one program at a time. So... You know, or enrollment at one at a time. So, of course, you know, you finish your AMT, let's say, you get finance for that. And then what I would recommend towards the end of the AMT, let's say, you come see us, and then I can give you a mapping, an idea of what you're looking at, what to expect with what you have of your funding left um, for the uh, pilot. Uh, but, you know, because it's all about just balancing it out. But, yes, you can get both to answer your question in short. Okay, great. Thanks. The, uh, and, and looking at the pilot program, let's talk a little bit about the pilot program here and career opportunities. Uh, we actually at the airlines, they, I'm an airline pilot, and they were having problems finding people. And, that, and the reason being is that there's some new laws that might go into effect finally. And these laws are going to actually require an ATP license, like the license I need to be a captain at, at an airline. It's, it's interesting that schools like yourselves are going to prepare people for those jobs and also get credit. The student that comes here will get credit and will not have to have what's called the ATP or Airline Transport Pilot Certificate, which is a requirement for 1,500 hours. Is that something you folks are looking at? I assume you are as far as, uh, as trying to recruit people in to come here and get certification and become a qualified school. Do you know if you're qualified right now for that? I don't know. Marty Carpenter would be able to answer that better. Okay. Um, I do know that right now, the way things are looking, we're looking at um, 500 hours that they'll be getting in flight time. So they'll be able to go into like sightseeing or um, they will have their CFI and CFII. So helping towards that, you know, that, to, to build their hours there. Um, but mainly the preparation, the training that they will be given will be in um, commercial airlines so they're going to get extra training so when it is time for them to step into a commercial airline pilot position the airlines will have less training to do they will actually be more they'll be well suited to start their life as a as a pilot well i can attest to that the uh, the people that i fly with and most are mechanics that are graduates of National Aviation Academy. They obviously know what they're doing out there, and it's uh, it's it's a good thing. Most are fairly motivated, so you, you're doing something right there. That's that's for sure. Uh, let me talk to to you a little bit about uh, Angie about women in, with aviation and getting jobs in aviation. One thing that I I notice, and, I, and I'm going to come back uh, to you, Richard, as far as uh, applicants and and what type of financial aid that they may have available. How many women are there out there? I noticed that. Just on, and I know pilots, uh, that only about 7% are pilots. And out of those, in actual aviation careers, only it's what, about 3.9% as far as AFA is concerned, are women in aviation jobs. Do you see any type of growth there? And also, the second question will be is, and what if there's a woman out there that wants to become a mechanic? What, what, what do you tell them? There is definite growth and need in that area. Mechanics, right now, we make up 2.7%. 
of the industry. So actually pilots are doing a little better than we are. Um, it used to be, I, I come from a very sick family, the one that is very aviation oriented. My father is an aircraft mechanic. My brother, you know, a lot of family members. So I kind of came by it naturally. But I would tell you that for any woman interested, the idea of being elbows deep in Greece is no longer true. There's so many things that uh, my forte was sheet metal. There's so many things now, is sheet metal composite work, being able to work composites, and which is almost like baking, you know, and having to be so specific and having to time things just so perfect, um, allow you to be creative, but also allow you to do a job that is going to be very well paid and you're going to be in high demand. Same thing with the electronics, you know, like playing around with electrical systems. We need that person. And we especially need it as a female. It's an excellent, excellent industry for females. Wonderful job opportunities. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. It's made me very happy, and I've thoroughly enjoyed working in the industry. And, and so, so you see a young lady that's looking at it and says to themselves, boy, I'm not sure I want to get into this. There's going to be some challenges. And I'm sure you've met some of those challenges yourself, and and people are going to say, well, you're just a girl. You shouldn't do that. Uh, what, I mean, what, what would you tell a girl like that? I, I'll tell them, go for it. You know, it's it, that should never hold you back. Well, I do tell them that. I tell them there's a lot of support. When I first started, there was no support. Um, we have uh, industry, we have uh, groups, women in aviation. There's also AWAM, which is the Association of Women in Aviation Maintenance. Those are both wonderful groups. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on the you know organization sites. They have wonderful conferences. Um, just this year, I took two of our female students who won scholarships through AWAM um, and WAI to the conference and just to be able to see the support and to be able to see that there are other women, they know what they're talking about, they know what they're doing, to be able to look at them and, and see that, yes, they have succeeded and to hear their stories, it's amazing. Uh, but I would definitely say to go for it. Uh, there should be nothing holding you back. And um, you know, it may be a little difficult sometimes to put up with some of the stuff, but then you just need to be able to push back and have a thick skin and be able to joke with everyone because I do tell everybody that as mechanics, we will sew the buttons on and we will push them, and then and then we will glue your tool chest shut. So <laughs> we do play a lot of practical jokes on each other, and as long as you're willing to go with the flow and have fun with them, you'll be included right along with the rest of the guys. Uh, that sounds like so much fun. Now, looking at uh, aviation careers for women, like you said, they should go for it. Now, how about financial aid? You mentioned a couple scholarships, uh, WAI, which is terrific, and, and uh, it was AWAP, is that AWAM, AWAM the, uh, Women Mechanics. That's a great organization, and uh, I think and they've been around for a long time. Now, those are scholarships. What other type of financial aid can they get as far as uh, females, and what other scholarships might you know about? Me personally, um, I don't really know any female-specific scholarships. I just know that there's a lot of scholarships available to all students, such as uh, FastWeb.com is a popular website. That's great. Um, another great website would be uh, um, FinAid.org. Great one has lists of scholarships. I just encourage everyone to go and search because there are so many scholarships for so many different things, whether it's ethnicity whether it's if you wear glasses. I mean, the list is endless, and they sound silly, but they're, they're out there for the taking. You just need to invest the time and search. It's not necessarily something that's going to just jump out and get you. You have to look for it. Now, that website again, those two websites, could you mention those one more time? Absolutely. It's www.fastweb, 
F-A-S-T-W-E-B.com. And the other one, which is good because it talks about all things financial aid, is FinAid, F-I-N-A-I-D dot O-R-G. That one talks about financial aid, and it breaks everything down in very much more simpler to understand terms. Great. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. Angie, one more question before we go, and I'll, I'll let you folks. I really appreciate your spending the time. Uh, people flying and also people getting their AMTs, becoming mechanics and pilots, in other words, the opportunities are out there, uh, and it's a very specific thing to have. I do know some folks in the corporate world have told me that they like to see people that do have their AMTs. Is there any other applications you can think of that they might want to have both of those? I know that th- we have a lot of students that are interested in mission work. They want to go to a different country. Uh, you know, you may not be able to get service for your aircraft as easily. Uh, we have people that are interested in starting a little, I, I've got a guy who's interested in starting a company that basically flies fishermen into the backwoods uh, so that they can go fishing. And that's what that's his goal, is, is to start that company. So he wants to be able to understand what... Um, you know, what makes the aircraft work? How do you fix it? What do you need to do? And also he wants to become a pilot for it. So I see a lot of that dual dualicity there. Um, it's definitely one of those things that if you love to fly, you need to be a pilot. Uh, and being a mechanic will help you also. So I think it'd be a good thing. Well said, well said. Well, uh, Richard, Angie, I really do appreciate your spending the time and uh, we will have any questions forward to you. And uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, we're here at uh, the National Aviation Academy speaking with John Okenfuss, is uh, the Assistant Director of Admissions here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about becoming a mechanic, and uh, we've already talked about some of the jobs that are available. It looks like it's going to be a real good prospects there. But what kind of qualifications is someone going to need? And, uh, oh, and, and welcome. Thank you. Uh, as far as qualifications are concerned, number one, uh, we're looking for individuals that are responsible that uh, are willing to step up the line for the safe travel of people through the air. Other requirement must be hands-on or have an orientation to hands-on. Really, uh, that's more important than being a, a bookworm uh, in this uh, profession. Another requirement is to have either a high school diploma or a GED. Uh, is required to take an entrance evaluation, uh, which is 33 questions designed to make certain that an individual will be successful in this environment. And also necessary to have a face-to-face interview with a director of admissions. And uh, director of admissions is very, very selective on those individuals that are uh, permitted to enter this program. So you, you can't just be someone who's going to read a book. You need to be out there and be hands-on. Just and pilots are hands-on too, but you got to be a little more hands-on. You're going to get in there and, and actually fix things and turn some wrenches. But uh, it also seems, though, that the neat thing about becoming a mechanic, you have to have a little bit of book knowledge because there's, there's a lot involved. You know, I, I didn't realize it. You're not just turning wrenches. You're, you're actually, there's a lot of book work involved afterwards. So uh, that's the requirement for the, for the GED and the, and the high school diploma. Now, if they don't have that, do you help them, assist them in getting that GED? Then uh, w- they are encouraged, uh, those that uh, are sincere in uh, following through and getting into a GED program where they can satisfy that requirement. Now, if you look at somebody who's 
who does become a mechanic is is there any traits that you see in, in their past like i know i love to tear things apart especially radios and put them back together is that that kind of the person you're looking at uh definitely no question uh, a lot of folks uh, have had uh, an innate uh, interest in uh, doing just what you describe taking things apart putting them together how do they work uh curiosity uh, is certainly at the top of the list as uh, uh, well as uh, wanting to uh, do things right. A lot of them are perfectionists as well. Now, prior to this, we just talked about getting into the programs. Uh, there's a couple different ones. There's the AMT, which is aircraft and power plant. And it seems to me that they really should get both and then just not go for one. And then there's an avionics program. Uh, do they, when they apply, do they need to apply to just one or the other or both, or is this just a general application? Uh, typically, uh, uh, individuals that make application uh, do go through a counseling session to determine uh, what makes sense for them. Uh, as a minimum, uh, in today's uh, industry and climate, uh, certainly need to uh, at least get A&P certification. Uh, one is okay, and you may get your foot in the door, but your employment opportunities become uh, much more limited with the either A or P. Uh, avionics is certainly uh, frosting on the cake, and uh, that's where the industry's headed. We know that computers have invaded the world, and glass panels are there. So if someone uh, is into electronics and has uh, a high curiosity level and problem solution level, uh, avionics uh, should certainly be pursued. All right, let's go back to actually applying to, say, a school like National Aviation Academy. You, you said you have a process where you go through some tests and all. How long till they find out whether they're accepted? Uh, that depends on the amount of information that's uh, available at any one point in time. If someone comes uh, completely equipped, uh, acceptance could occur within a day. Now that's quick. From there, they have to wait till I guess the program starts. Is like, is there semesters or? Uh, every uh, periodically, their day and evening classes starting every five weeks. Okay, and then if there's somebody has a job now, you said day and evening. Uh, for those folks that have another job that are paying for this this way, uh, they can do the whole program at night. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, one other thing that I think is important is that we get a lot of folks coming out of the military and the pilot side that want to transition, but there's another transition they have to do. They can't just come out of the military and start fixing airplanes. They may know what they're doing, but they need some kind of license. Now, there's something that you folks have that can do that, correct? That's correct. We offer a two-week training program that prepares individuals to take the FAA exams to get A&P certification. The requirement for that is uh, for an individual to uh, gather up uh, DD-214 and training records and make a formal appointment with the FAA. Uh, if uh, the minimum creditable experience standards are recognized uh, by the FAA, then a form known as an 8610-2 will be issued, which gives the individual the authorization to take the FAA exams to get ANP certification. Uh, when that requirement's fulfilled, then someone's eligible to take our two-week training program that uh, is uh, very, very intensive. Uh, over that uh, uh, two-week period of time, uh, uh, the three FAA written exams will be taken, and any day after the final Friday, an individual's prepared to take the oral and practical exam from an FAA DME. Those examiners are here? 
Uh, the um, uh, FAA examiners uh, uh, operate out of the Tampa office and uh, they're on call and are very familiar with uh, our programs here, both uh, uh, our traditional programs and our two-week training program. Okay, great. And now if they want to actually look at, at admissions, then they would find out information at naa.edu, right? That's the website. Yes. And then, uh, John, they can also get in touch with you. Is there anything else I, I may have missed out here as far as applications? Uh, I don't think so. I think you've covered uh, the t territory very, very well. Uh, with the meeting the standards and uh, having A&P certification and beyond, uh, no question, uh, it's a bright, bright future for individuals uh, uh, from here on out, and we see no reason for that uh, uh, future outlook to change within the next five to ten years. Terrific. That's what we want to hear. Well, John, thanks so much for, for coming and talking to us today. You're welcome. Take care. And today we're here again at the National Aviation Academy talking to Marty Carpenter. The National Aviation Academy, well, they have some programs in maintenance, but they also have a new pilot program. And Marty, you know, he's the director of admissions for the Professional Pilot Technology Program. Uh, welcome, Marty. Hello. Thank you. Well, Marty, there, this program that you started here at National Aviation Academy, I know the school's been here for a long, long time. Uh, what made you guys decide to get into pilot training? Um, well, you know, it's always the goal to, to be able to, to maximize your student body and enrollments and stuff, and we had pretty much kind of uh, busting at the seams as far as from a mechanic side, so we, we said what better way than to, you know, spread our wings, no pun intended, and, and, uh, and start a pilot program. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. So now the, the pilot program, they have airplanes they fly, so your mechanic could obviously fix them, right? Uh, actually, no. Um, the mechanics that are... Um, going through our program right now, they cannot touch the ones that are actually going to be flying. So we actually have a, a full-fledged maintenance department with already certified AMP mechanics to work on the, the aircraft that the students are going to be flying. Oh, I see. So that if they actually finish their license here, maybe they could get a job fixing those airplanes too. Actually, uh, yeah, we already have one of the guys on staff that was a graduate from here. One of our uh, maintenance technicians for our, our Part 141 uh, pilot program, he is a, a graduate of NAA. Okay, now let's talk about the pilot program. There's a 141 uh, certificate. Now, do you have the 141 certificate, and have you been approved for that? Uh, yes, we are part 141 school. Okay, great. So with that, that allows people to actually get through quicker, and uh, they can finish the commercial in a lot less time. It's very structured, though. So how long does this program take you to, from start to finish in this 141? Um, well, the actual... Um uh, classroom time is going to be right at 19 months. Uh, once you factor in times for spring break, summer break, and what have you, it ends up going about 20, 21 months, but, but it's 19 months of actual school time. Okay, now the school time, then you have flight time. The school time, does that count towards a degree? At this point in time, we're in the process of working out some different articulation agreements with local colleges. Um, so at the current time, no, but in the near future, yes, it will. But um, I do want to make sure the, uh, the school time, that does include the air time as well. Okay, so the school in there. Okay, that goes together there. And when they apply, do they have to do anything special to apply for the pilot program? Should they come with anything? Um, just uh, they have to come with make sure, you know, we want to always make sure that our individuals um, have uh, high school diplomas um, or GED or equivalency, um, uh, you, you know, pr clean background preferred because um, it's going to make as far as em their employability a lot greater. And then just a positive attitude, someone that's willing to, they have to have an extremely flexible schedule because of the, the, the demands, the program demands on every student. Uh, I mean, they're here 
they need to be ready to, you know, just like on call, you know, morning, noon, night, and possible weekends, depending upon inclement weather, maintenance on the aircraft. So it's really hard to say that they're going to be here from, say, 8 to 5 or something like that. So they just have to have a really open schedule. Say there's somebody that's wanting to do this program, but they uh, have a job right now. Can they possibly do this part-time or on the weekends? Um, no, this is a full-time Monday through Friday, 7.30 until they're done day. Okay, now the school that we're talking in right now is on Olmerton Road in Clearwater, and then there's the pilot school. Where is the pilot school located? Well, yeah, this is our main campus, um, our main building, so to speak. We call it the schoolhouse. We also have a, what's called the signature hangar over at the Clearwater St. Pete Airport. That's where the classroom setting as well as the simulation uh, lab, um, in addition to the, the Part 141 hangar where the airplanes are kept. So, again, if they, if they want to apply to this program, they come to you and say, hey, this is, this is what I want to do. How long is that application process? It can be as little, it could take be as quick or as long as, as someone wants it to be. We have some people that walk in the door, they, they've done their research, they know what it's all about, they come in, they, within a matter of an hour they're enrolled in school. We have also some individuals that takes, you know, days or weeks, or I've had students that have called me back five, six, seven months later, said, now I'm ready. You know, it's just, it's just got to be the right timing. Um, and like I said, it, you know, you got to have an extremely flexible schedule, which means you have to have, it's, um, there's going to be little opportunity to work. So you have to have extremely, um, um, uh, extremely supportive uh, uh, family um, support system to help you pay your bills while you're in school, quite frankly. I understand that. Now, when they walk out of here after this whole 141 program is done, what type of uh, certificates do they have when they leave here? Well, between the uh, certificates and or ratings, uh, they're going to get their private going to have their instrument rating, uh, their commercial single, commercial multi-engine, their CFI, the CFII, as well as the MEI. Okay, so they get all those, and then they can start flight instructing possibly here at the school or, or somewhere else. Yeah, um, most of those students, they are going to get out um, and, and start as an instructor somewhere uh, because, you know, you have to have um, a minimum of 1,500 hours to work for any kind of regional airline as well as your ATP. Uh, so they're going to get out of our school anywhere between 450 and 500 hours, which is about double of what's out there in the, in the uh, competitive schools. Um, so they're going to get a lot more um, loggable airtime, um, and then we're going to position them in the best way we possibly can for them to become gainfully employed. Now, this is a new program. Have you started placing anybody? Has anybody come through it yet? No, not yet. Uh, we've just, uh, we're actually getting ready to start our second class. Um, our first class started back on June 5th, full class. Uh, everybody loves it. Um, and we, you know, we start 10 per class right now. Um, in the future, maybe grow that. But right now, our focus is 10 per class. And they all love it. And we have our next set of 10 starting in, um, in August. Great. Now, how often do these uh, classes start? Well, um, the goal is to start a class roughly every five weeks. Um, you know, it's you know based on the supply and demand. Um, hopefully, the f every five weeks, uh, based on everything we've seen thus far, it will be every five weeks. Um, yeah, I can't predict the future, but uh, right now, if everything goes the way it has been going, it's going to be every five weeks. One last thing before we, we wrap up here, as far as applications, admissions, how do they actually start applying? Say I'm somebody who's wanting to move to Florida. I live out in Colorado. Where am I going to find information about applying to your program? Uh, well, you could fly, find us at naa.edu, um, or you could Google National Aviation Academy, and we'll pop up. And there's going to be a, a, a place on there where you can contact us directly, um, and then more than you're more than welcome to to contact us by phone as well. Um, and our number seven two seven five three one two zero eight zero, and that's it. 
Great, yeah, and we'll have uh, links on our website to all those uh, different places they can get a hold of you. And if people do have questions, if you don't mind, I, I might forward some of those to you if some of our listen- listeners have some questions about your program. That's fine. No problem. Great, great. Well, it's great talking to you, Marty. I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we sure have talked to a lot of really interesting folks here at National Aviation Academy and have found out, yeah, there's jobs out there for both mechanics and for pilots. And right now, to, to wrap up, I'm here with Teresa Farrington. She's actually the community resource rep here at National Aviation Academy and, and is the one that was able to put together all this information for us today in all these interviews. And it's been really informative. And uh, just uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, um, Carl. Um, yes, I'm Teresa Ferrant, and I go out and recruit for all of our programs, um, whether it be the Aircraft Mechanics Program or Avionics, which is the Electronics of Aircraft, and now Professional Pilot Training as well. Well, you know, we, we talked a lot, and it sounds like there are jobs out there, and, and we're actually having problems finding pilots. You told me a little while ago that, that mechanics, too, were having a problem finding them, and, and you recruit in so many different places. Where, where do you actually go to recruit for these folks? Um, Well, during the school year, I mainly go to high schools. Um, We're trying to educate young people about all there is in aviation. Um, I also go to community college fairs, job fairs. There's um, military bases. Um, I recently went to a military base in Puerto Rico where we had a huge amount of interest. What I'm finding is that people are being more open-minded about less traditional, you know, non, non-degree-seeking non t- types of careers. So this is definitely a viable option for anyone that is mechanically inclined. You do have to be a hands-on learner. I'd say for both mechanics and pilot training, um, would you say, Carl? Definitely, you need to be hands-on, I think. More so for the mechanic, of course. The uh, And the degree actually can be very helpful and I know you do have some type of uh, articulation. A, yeah and what what is that the, the articulation what is that uh, degree and, and what kind of degrees do you offer okay. currently we do offer a degree seeking program um, upon completion of the AMP mechanics 14 month class um, we have an articulation agreement with St. Petersburg College so what that means is 56 college credits matriculate into their associates of aviation maintenance management. So what does that mean? Our our students have the opportunity to finish only with only nine additional classes, they end up with an associate's degree in aviation maintenance management. So currently that's where we're at. We are looking into other articulation agreements for our professional pilot training program. So we'll keep you informed about that, Carl, as well. Okay, now say someone does get this associate's degree and now uh, they they want to be a little more competitive. What would they do? I mean, can they go out to any school out in the country? I know you talked about the articulation agreement. Can they transfer that to other schools too? That would be a by-case situation. Um, mainly we recommend that they finish at St. Pete College because they're going to get the most amount of credit that will matriculate into the program. To transfer the credits from our school to another um, college that is by case, so it depends on what whether the college is regionally or nationally accredited. So I don't want to give you a definite answer. Some of the credits will transfer, but it depends on what the college accepts and what program you're trying to um, matriculate those credits into. Okay, now let's talk a l- go back and talk a little bit about jobs and the people that are interested in this. Um, we talked a little bit about women in aviation and, and more females getting into this and the Aviation uh, Mechanics for Women organization. 
the people that you see out there, the people in the in the field that you talk to, what type of people are they, and who is interested in this? And do you see many women actually interested in becoming mechanics? I've recently seen more women um, interested in this because we're we're an aviation school and we are attending many more aviation-driven events. For instance, Sun and Fun. Um, in Lakeland, and we're trying to recruit in venues that would attract more aviation-driven. What what I'm finding as a recruiter is aviation runs in families. So if there's a father that's a pilot, um, most likely maybe, or it's more likely that their daughter, um, the women will go into aviation if they have family members that are involved in aviation. So what we're trying to do is target those groups and reach out and try to get more women involved. And it's easy. It's th- the best way for me that I see that we can do that is to recruit from aviation-driven events. And that's smart. I mean, I, I think like people like myself who are interested in becoming a mechanic someday. You know, that's where I'm going to talk to people. I go to events. I say, hey, listen, I think that's actually how we met. You know, how do I become a mechanic? You know, how, how do I go through this? Now, becoming a mechanic, though, the thing that scares me is the time that's involved. So maybe just a quick recap of, of how long these different programs take to get through it. Okay, so we are one of the fastest to gain a license in AMP mechanics in the country. It takes only 14 months of continuous training. It's Monday through Friday from 7.30 until 3 or 4.30 until 11. And so you go Monday through Friday and you have to commit to the 14 months. Now you do have breaks. We also offer above and beyond the AMP mechanics avionics, which is an additional seven months of the same either day or evening type program. Avionics makes an individual much more marketable because it's the electronics of aircraft. And we also offer the Aviation Maintenance Certification Program, which is two weeks that I believe John Oakenfist discussed with you earlier. And that is for people coming out of the military that had aircraft mechanics experience and that qualify for a two-week refresher program. Other than that, professional pilot training is 19 months of continuous training, and our locations that you can attend are either Clearwater, Florida, or Bedford, Massachusetts. Now, you said uh, Clearwater and Bedford. Currently, we're in Clearwater. Uh, you have the schoolhouse here and all the, the, all the different programs for training mechanics. So you also have, at the, at the St. Pete Clearwater International Airport, you have the facility for pilot training. One thing we didn't talk about at all, and maybe you could help us a little bit with, Bedford, Massachusetts, yes. is where the other school is. So what, what's in Bedford? What, what type of programs can you get there? In Bedford, Mass., you can attend the AMP, which is the Airframe and Power Plant Mechanics Program. It's 14 months, and I believe they're beginning professional pilot training this month. Um, we do not offer avionics at this time in Bedford, Mass., our school is located on an Air Force base. It's Hanscom Air Force Base. So it's like a, a dual-use base there, so they can both for, for civilians and also the Air Force, which, which is cool because it keeps a lot of these Air Force bases open that, that would have been closed otherwise. The program there is, is all throughout the year. It's a 12-months-out-of-the-year type of program. It's, it's uh, continuous training. Our students do get breaks for holidays, but when you begin, you start, and it, it basically takes a year and two months. Now, from what I understand, I think it not that where it started, the uh, National Aviation was up, up in the 30s or something like that? Is that right? 
We've been in Bedford, Mass. since 1932. It was formerly known as East Coast Aerotech and now owned by National Aviation Academy for the last three years. Wow, that's that's quite some time. So, But National's actually been in the Clearwater area for how long? It's been, been quite some time, I know that. We've been here in Clearwater, Florida since 1969. Um, we at one point did have a pilot training school, then became mechanics, and now we're teaching both. The other thing that uh, I'd like to talk about a little bit as far as getting people involved in, in aviation and getting especially females involved is uh, the different scholarships that are, and we did touch on this a little bit through the Women in Aviation. There's also the uh, uh, Mechanics for Women organization. I think I, I may not have said that right, but we'll have links to that on the website. What type of scholarships are there available for females that are especially specifically that are looking into getting into aviation? Women in Aviation scholarships, um, what you would do is Google search Women in Aviation Scholarships. My best recommendation is that you attend the Women in Aviation website, which is W-A-I, which stands for Women in Aviation. Some of our students have been able to get up to $50,000 in scholarships, which will basically pay for the program because women make up only 3 to 5% of the aviation professionals currently. So there is a huge push to attract more women. Um, women tend to get the jobs first because they're trying to diversify the workplace. So um, come on down, young ladies. But again, you do have to be mechanically inclined. You can certainly go into avionics, which is the behind-the-scenes work, um, doing the electrical work and the navigational systems. So there is a host of scholarships. Is In terms of scholarships for everyone, our school offers a Charles E. Taylor scholarship, which is a $1,000 scholarship for one student in each and every high school in the state of Florida. So we offer plenty of scholarships. During the financial aid process, we give you a book of scholarships, a three-page book listing all the scholarships that are available. Millions of dollars a year, too, you'll want to keep in mind, go unused because people just don't apply for scholarships. Ladies, gentlemen, everybody, come on down and we'll help you out, help you get started, and hopefully you'll apply. And again, financial aid is available for those who qualify. And I think, yeah, we, we are going to have links to those uh, financial aid and uh, Finair, and, and we talked about those, and we'll put those on, on the aviationcareerspodcast.com uh, website, and also they can go to nationalaviationacademy.edu. The other thing, too, again, just as a reminder as we're closing as far as the job prospects. There's quite a few job prospects out there for mechanics and for pilots too because the, a lot of folks don't see it yet but it's going to happen. I mean people get older they retire and we're going to see that. We're also expanding. Aviation is expanding worldwide. There's jobs available here. There's also jobs available overseas and we did talk to somebody about job placement afterwards. But as far as finding out more about becoming a mechanic there is, and, and this is what I'm going to recommend. It's actually, the, and one of the reasons we're here talking today and what started me on this whole conversation was, how do you find out about becoming a mechanic? Well, the neat thing is National Aviation Academy does a lot of advertising, but they also have a lot of information on their website. Their website has a host of information about how you become a mechanic, what the job prospects are, the salary expectations, how to get your certificates. And the other cool thing is they actually have some videos out there. Now to find that, 
that website is www.naa.edu, naa.edu. The other way you can do it, too, just go to Google, type in National Aviation Academy. And then if you want information directly from the school, they have an 800 number that I'll put there. It's 1-800-659-2080. But, but right now we're recommending uh, going to the nationalaviationacademy.edu website. The mechanics license is issued by the federal government. Is that correct, you're That's saying? Correct. The only mechanics license that is issued by the federal government is the AMP mechanics license. The, uh, the other thing that I, I'm going to recommend, too, is to look at some of these applications for your iPad if you're wanting to become an AMP. Uh, they actually do have links off of the nationalaviationacademy.edu as to where you can find books and information. They also have a, a link to some of the applications. So if you look, just go there, naa.edu. There's the one thing that I think everybody should know is the regulations. And there's the Federal Aviation Regulations, and they have one that's specific for mechanics. It's called the FAR slash AMT. You'll see a link from, from their website. You can also see a link from my website there at Aviation Careers Podcast. Teresa, I, I really appreciate your taking the time. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the folks here at uh, Aviation Careers Podcast and uh, specifically people that are just thinking about it and say, boy, you know, this is going to be a, a tough thing. I'm not sure I can do this. Just a message to young, younger um, students and their parents just to let you know that um, we are here to assist high school students in because obviously many of you have not had jobs or you're not sure about what you want to do we do have a high school division that will help you specifically if you do call into our 1-800 number or email please ask for someone that specializes in high school students um, because there's a host of scholarships specific to high school students so again we do have a high school division international division um, the international division is for those overseas we have specific people that help you gain entry into the United States and start our program. So again, we have services for high school students and international students. If you just go to our website or call our 1-800 number. And also, I'd just like to leave you off with the fact that the, the only way to really find out about a school in aviation, such as national aviation, is to come in and visit. We give tours every day except Sundays all day and during the evenings too. You need to really kind of see it, see what kind of aircraft our students work on, see the other kind of students, look at the classroom setting. Most people when they come in and tour are able to say, oh yeah, I definitely want to do this or oh, this is not so much for me. So... That's terrific. And, and you know, that's that's so good that you do that. You let people come in here. And, and to add to that, just before we close, what's interesting, we were walking the halls here at the National Aviation Academy. And here at Aviation Careers Podcast, I always tell people your career path may be varied. You never know what it is you're going to be doing. As long as you have your goal in mind, that's really important. You could get off on a different path. Well, we just talked to a young man who finished out off his program here, got his avionics certification, went on and started working on radar systems. He started working on radar systems for boats and for large boats. And it, it's really interesting to find out that he, I don't think he went into this purposely thinking that's what he was going to do is work on boats. But with that knowledge that he got here, he was able to use that in another career field, not just in aviation. So something important to know is that they can actually use their skills that they learn here in more than just being an aviation mechanic. So say there's a downturn in the aviation industry. They can go out and use those skills in other places. It's really neat to see, too, that this person's saying to me, hey, listen, I'm going to want to go out and I'm going to 
increase my knowledge and become an engineer. He's looking at electrical engineering. So you never know where you're going to go, but you need to get started. And that's the most important thing. You really need to go go forward. The other cool thing about this this young man that we talked to is he got this. He just went went right from high school to this program. I think he's, what, 20 years old right with, now? With, yeah, and, with the license. Yeah, with a license at 20 years old. And and now and now he's looking at getting his uh, electrical engineering degree. So that's terrific. Folks, like I said, if, if you're interested in aviation, just remember to keep that goal in mind. Also, make sure you remember that it's a varied path and that you might take a few turns here and there, but as long as you keep that goal in mind, you keep moving towards that goal, that is the most important thing. Teresa, thanks for being with us today, and uh, if we can in the future, we'd love to talk to you again. Thank you so much, Carl. You too. And we'll talk to you again next time for our next episode of the Aviation Careers Podcast. This has been fun, and again, safe flying, and keep looking towards your goal. You've been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved. <laughs>